0: your Bibles this morning, Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1. As we consider our Lord's birth again. We looked at His birth on Wednesday uh, concerning what the Scripture says there from Luke chapter 2. Brother Mark read that this morning in our morning devotion uh, concerning the birth of our Lord. We read here in Matthew 1 uh, beginning in verse number 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to put, make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Jo- Joseph was going to break his betrothal because he perceived Mary had gotten pregnant out of wedlock. And so he, and because he did not want to make a spectacle out of her, did not want to bring these charges against her, he sought to put her away or to break that betrothal privately. Which, by the way, in their day, not only. Was marriage. If you're going to end a marriage, not only was a bill of divorcement required, but if you're going to break an engagement, you had to have a bill of divorcement as well. It was serious. Their betrothal period and what they were doing there. And so Joseph was going to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet by spoken of the Lord rather by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. That's what we're going to consider this morning as we look to our Lord's birth. God with us. Let's go to Him in a word of prayer now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your great grace. Father, we thank you for your mercy to us. We thank you for your blessings that you poured out upon us. Father, we love you. Thank You, Father, for Your watched care over us. We thank You, Father, that You are sovereign. We thank You, Father, that You are in control of our lives. Father, help us to trust You. Help us to hold fast to You in our everyday lives, knowing that, that we rest in You, that our peace is in You, that our, our provision is in You, our strength is in You. Father, we praise You. That You have given us all that we have and all that we enjoy. Father, we recognize and know they are blessings from You. Father, help us that we might worship You. Help us that we might serve You as You've called us to. May our lives, Father, be glory unto Your name. Go with us as we look to Your Word this morning. Help us to worship You in spirit and in truth as we've gathered together. May our hearts be focused and centered upon You. And what you've accomplished for us even this very day. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for what you've provided for us in Christ. And thank you how you have provided for that. It's a wondrous thing. This birth and, that, and incarnation, take, take upon Himself flesh and dwell among us. Live a perfect, sinless life a life of righteousness, earning our righteousness in our stead, and then going to that old rugged cross that we sang about this morning, to give Himself an offering for us, to give Himself as the payment for our sin, and in return give unto us that righteousness that He earned in our stead, that we might have a place before You, that we might have eternal life, That we might be able, Father, to spend eternity with You. Father, I thank You for what You've provided for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank You, Father, for Your love. Thank You, Father, for Your mercy and grace. Go with us now as we look to Your Word. Open it before us. Give us understanding of these things. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. God. With us, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter seven and verse number fourteen. Isaiah writes here, and I, I love the book of Isaiah. It is uh, it is basically the whole of the scriptures in one book, and these sixty six chapters that are given us concerning uh, Isaiah's prophecies. And there's so much in here concerning our Lord and concerning His life, uh, concerning His death, the prophecies concerning Him, all of that written for us here in this book of Isaiah. And we see here in chapter number 7 and verse number 14, we read it, you may have, you, this may be very familiar to you, it's on all kinds of Christmas cards and, and just about everywhere you look you'll see this verse this time of year. Uh, but this is that prophecy concerning our Lord's birth that was given to Isaiah the prophet here. These almost 800 years before our Lord's birth. And Isaiah writes here, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That being interpreted, we're told in Matthew 1, God with us. A virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name God with us. That's the prophecy that was given. We're told, Matthew chapter 1 in our text verse, as we were reading through that there this morning, we're told there that this is the fulfillment of that very prophecy. This promise to Mary that she was going to have the Son of God. That He would be born from her. That it would be Emmanuel, God with us. His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Now, this reality that was promised in the Old Testament come to pass... As we look there on Wednesday night in, in Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass. I love that little phrase because that, what that is telling you when the, when those word, words are used in the Scriptures, that is telling you what God had before promised is now done. It came to pass. What God promised has happened. What God promised is done. And just as He promised in Isaiah 7, So it came to pass that our Lord was born. Emmanuel, God with us. Now those that were looking for Him, those Jews that were were seeking Him out, those Jews that were trying to to, to surmise the coming of the Messiah and what that would look like and how that would all come to pass, they really struggled because they, they took all of those passages of Scripture, all those prophecies in regards to His coming and what that was going to look at and they struggled with understanding how all of that was going to come to pass and how all of that was going to unfold. And so they come up with all the options of what could be. Well, he could come just born normally to a man and woman. In fact, there were many of those guys that came along, especially even during the time of Jesus' life, during the time of Jesus' birth, and even shortly before that, there were many that were just born, a man and woman, that came up, had got some notoriety from doing something, and people started exalting those individuals as Messiah. Here is our deliverer. Here is the one that has come to deliver us. There's a problem with that. You could not just simply be born of Man and woman, because being born of man and woman would pass on to him Adam's sin. Being born of the seed of man, that would pass on to him Adam's sin, and he would be a born sinner. As is the case with all of us, every single one of us. So that wouldn't be how Messiah could come. Not to be God with us. Not to be the very fulfillment of what's being promised here, so he couldn't become, He couldn't come simply by a natural birth between a, a man and a woman. He would be then the seed of man. He could not simply come and take another's body. There are those that even still proclaim that today. He just came in and took over someone's body. Well, still the issue of that person's sins that's in them. He would be taking upon himself sin. So that wouldn't be the fulfillment of the prophecy. Some say, well, he could have just came and simply deposited himself on Mary and Joseph's doorstep and said, here I am. He could have done that. But that wouldn't have been the fulfillment of the prophecy. He would not have been born, as the scripture declares to us in Isaiah 7 verse 14. He would not be the seed of the woman as is promised to Adam and to Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. And there were many that were expecting him to do just that. That he was just going to appear. That he was going to come riding in on a white horse and bring with him his army. And then to put out the Romans and put out all of these oppressors from Judea and from Israel. And then start his kingdom. That's what they were looking for. He's going to do that, by the way. He's going to come on his white horse and he's going to bring his armies with him. But not at this point. Not here. At this point, he's coming to be with us. That he might give himself for us. So he couldn't just, at this point, just simply come. It is only what is described for us here in Matthew chapter one. It is only what is described for us there in Luke chapter number two. It is only what is described for us in those prophecies concerning his being born of a virgin. It is only in that that this work is able to be accomplished for you and I. There are a lot of people today that want to discount. The virgin birth. They want to say, well, it's not necessary. You don't want to believe in that. That's fine. You don't have to believe in it. No. Absolutely not. You have to believe it. If you're believing Christ Jesus is your Lord, you have to believe that. If you're going to say your sins are covered in Him, you have to believe that. If you say you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, Because without Him being born of a virgin, without Him coming by the seed of the woman, the sin of man would have been put on Him, the sin of Adam would have been on Him, and He would not be able then to be the payment for our sin. He had to be born without sin. That was the promise, by the way, in Genesis chapter 3. In verse number 15, I mentioned that verse just a moment ago. I'll turn over real quick and read that passage to you. After Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, God's punishment dealt out to them there in regards to that sin. He tells them there in verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman speaking to the serpent, speaking to Satan there. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt Bruise his heel. In other words, there's going to be one born of the seed of a woman, which is an impossibility. Going to be born, because women don't have seed, there's going to be born the seed of a woman. And he, when he comes, is going to crush Satan. Oh, Satan's going to buy him. Satan's going to get his heel, it says. But even in that biting of Satan, the biting that he would inflict upon his heel, the Scripture says he's going to crush you. The fulfillment of this can only be in that virgin birth that is prophesied to us. This great mystery, God with Look with me at John 1. John chapter number 1. John doesn't record for us the birth of the Lord, but he describes the coming of the Lord. But I love, I love these, these verses. How important these verses are that John writes for us by the inspiration of the Spirit as he records these things in John chapter 1 for us concerning the Lord and who he is and his coming. Notice in John 1 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, the Logos, was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus just didn't start when He was born there to Mary in that manger. He is the eternal God. He has always been. He interjected Himself among us. He came into us by taking up on Himself that flesh and dwelling among us. But He has always been. He is the eternal God. Amen. Amen. The same was in the beginning with God. In fact, He goes on to tell us here, verse 3, all things were made by Him. He's the one that spoke it into existence. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was light, and the light was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 17, even goes on to tell us not only is he the one that created everything, but he's also that same one who holds it all into place. All things consist in him, he holds it into place. That's the remarkable part of this. A baby. Wrapped in the swaddling clothes that they would wrap the lambs, the newborn lambs up in. Wrapped up in that lay in a manger. Dependent there physically upon his mother to care for him and to take care of him. At the same time, he's the one that's holding the stars in their place. Remarkable. Wondrous. Job chapter 9. Job chapter number 9. And verse number 33. Job, of course, had a lot of trouble in his life. Satan attacked Job. Satan attacked him, did everything he could to destroy Job. The only provision was he wasn't allowed to take away his life, but he could take everything else. Read the story. In fact, God allowed that to happen to Job. Those things come in our lives, it's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to get a hold. It's hard for us to grasp. But our lives, our mundane, ordinary, everyday lives are in the hands of our King. And we trust Him. We hold to Him every single day. Knowing that our lives, our needs, our cares are in His hand. But Job suffered a lot here. He lost his children. He lost his homes. He lost his cattle. He lost his crops. He is brought to utter loss of everything, including his health. Job's wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? We get down on Job's wife sometimes. We say, my goodness, what a stupid thing for her to say. Listen, that woman lost everything Job lost. Don't get down on her. She's facing all the things Job faced. And Job... Talking with his friends and trying to understand what has happened here in his life. His friends weren't much help. And they kind of railed against him. Job, you've done something wrong. You've messed something up. Job, you, you need to repent before the Lord. There's sin in you. You've got there, There's something you've done. And Job, what? I've not done anything that I know of. Here in Job 9.33, Job longed for something. He longed for something he wished could be in that day. And he says this there in verse 33, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us. Let me read verse 32. He says, For he is not a man, speaking of God, for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him... And that we should come together in judgment. Job says, I don't have an open audience with God. I don't have any way. He's not a man I can talk to him like like I do to you all. I don't have it, that open place between me and God that I have that opportunity to speak to him. But if there was just a day, if there was somebody that could come between me and God that could be my advocate between me and God, and he could touch me and touch God. And in between the two of us then, I would have a a way, I would have a possibility then of actually communicating with God. Or if there was just that person to intervene, if there was that one between us, He was both man and God at the same time. Job understood that's what it was going to take. It couldn't be just a man. It had to be somebody that could talk with God. It had to be the God man. Oh, if there was just the Dayman, if there was just the advocate, if there was that one that could touch me and touch God and intervene on my behalf. Job's desire. Job's desire is fulfilled. In the birth of our Lord Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. took upon Himself flesh. He dwelt among us. And John says there in John chapter 1 in verse number 14, as He describes Him here, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory is the, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God with us. God with us. Job longed for this day. Abraham was promised that through this seed all the world would be blessed. Adam and Eve were promised there that through His coming the curse Satan himself would be crushed. All field in the coming of our Lord Jesus. Why is this so significant? God with us. What in you? What in you is worthy of God Himself coming down to dwell among us? What was it in His disciples that made them worthy? What was it about Mary and Joseph that made them worthy? That He would make Himself known, that He would take upon Himself flesh and dwell among them? Nothing. Nothing. His disciples weren't worthy of it. Mary and Joseph weren't worthy of it. Those shepherds in the field, they weren't worthy of it. Two thousand years removed, you and I, we're not worthy of it. We're sinners. Born of the seed of Adam. Every one of us born in trespasses and sins. And by that trespasses and sins upon us, we are dead spiritually without God. Covered in our own sins. Covered in our own filth with our very hearts dead to the things of God. Paul says there in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing... There is nothing worthy of us to have Emmanuel. Nothing in us that we would deserve such. We all have that very nature of sin in us. And yet, we read there in Job 9, Job wanted that so badly, to have that advocate. Or if I just had that person, that that one that could touch God and touch me and bring us together. The very thing Job found out was he did not deserve to have that daysman. He did not deserve to have that advocate to represent him before God. Have nothing to plead but our own guilt, our own sin, and our own shame. When you, start, when you start pleading for yourself and talking about all the great things you've done, you need to stop right there and back off. Stop right there and back off. Because Isaiah tells us there in, in, uh, uh, it left me. But Isaiah says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Everything that that we think is good about us. Everything that we point to and say, look what I've done. Look what I've done right here. They are as filthy rags before God. We are unworthy of this coming. And it is for that very reason that we are unworthy, that we are incapable, that we can only plead our guilt and our sin. It is for this reason that none other but God Himself could intercede for us. And that's what. God with us. God with us. Only one who is perfectly righteous, only one who is absolutely holy could intercede for us. And therefore, only one perfectly righteous and holy could take upon Himself flesh and dwell among us and die in our place as the payment for our sins. Nobody else could do it. God provided Himself. Harkens, I love that that ring of that that harkens back to Genesis 22, when Abraham and Isaac are going up the mountain together, and Isaac says, "Daddy, here's wood and here's fire. Where's the lamb?" And Abraham says, "God will provide." God will provide himself. Fully. The very one who made all of creation. The very one who said let there be and it was The very one who spoke the stars into existence. I love that. He made the stars also. He made the stars the vastness of this universe. I mean, we, we look as far as we can see with the aid of everything possible, we cannot get to the end of it. And the phrase that the Scripture uses to describe its creation, He made the stars also. Nothing to him. The same one that has all that power and is continually holding it in the place is the same one that took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh and took the sins of his people upon himself to die in our place. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 21. Look with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. Paul tells us here that we are ambassadors for Christ. We declare Him. We're, we're, we're to be those that are, are declaring the Lord Jesus to those around us. And he says to us here in verse number 21 why that is, Why that relationship exists for us. Why we have been made His ambassadors. Why we have been reconciled to Him. He tells us that in verse 21. For He, God the Father hath made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us. For me. For you. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you can believe on Him this day, Jesus gave Himself for you. He paid for your sin. God the Father hath made God the Son to be sin for me. Brother Tom Bird said one time, the first time I, I guess I remember hearing this passage preached so clearly, Brother Tom said, right there above that us, he said, just, if you can, he said, just write your name. If you believe that, just write your name right there above that us. Jesus died for me. He took my place. He took my sin. Personally. Me. If you believe him today, he did the same for you. To be sin for us. Who knew no sin. There was none in Him. He made that declaration Himself. Satan has nothing in me, He said. Jesus did not sin. There are those who may do their best to try to make it that way. They twist the Scripture and they'll do everything they can to try to bring that out some way. Listen, Jesus did not sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. If if he sinned let me assure you he would not have been born of a virgin. If he sinned his death on the cross meant nothing for us. If he sinned that resurrection from the grave didn't mean anything for us. It required my salvation, your salvation, the eradication of our sin, eternal life given to us, demands or demands, and is continuing to demand. Jesus was sinless; Amen. Amen. no sin in Him at all. Perfect, righteous, holy. He who knew no sin. <clears throat> Became sin for us. How did He become sin? He took mine. He bore it upon Himself. In my place. He took yours. He bore it upon Himself. In your place. And there on the cross. Suffered the penalty for it. So I don't have to. So that you don't have to. He was made sin for us. He who knew no sin. But you and I. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. How does that happen? Because he touched God. And he, he touched me. He took my sin, took my punishment, bore it in my stead, and in return gives to me his righteousness. That He earned living that perfect, sinless life. That righteousness that He earned for me. He didn't need that righteousness. He is righteous. But He earned righteousness. That He can give to you and I. That now, because because He has done this great work for us, now we have a place before God. Now, because Emmanuel, God with us, has came into this world, now you and I have a place before the throne of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we have forgiveness of sin in Him. Now we have eternal life. Now we have salvation in this One who came to take our place. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. He shall be called Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. God with us. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. Romans 5 and verse number 8. says but God look for those phrases in the scripture. Paul gives us a bunch of those but God's. Look for those. Man they're wondrous. But God. But but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Even in our field, even in our wickedness, even in our sin, God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know Him today? Do you know Him? Can you declare, can you declare, hey, my name... Goes right there in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number twenty-one. Can you declare today, hey, where it says there, He shall save His people from their sins? That's me. Can you say that today? Can you believe? Can you believe? Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to Him. He alone is Savior. Lord Emmanuel, God with us. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, you bring us to say.